Turn your Bibles to James chapter 3, and for our lesson, I want to read the paragraph, verses 13 through 18. And if your Bible is like mine, it has at the top uh, the label, two kinds of wisdom. And that's what we're going to be looking at, contrasting two different kinds of wisdom. Let me start with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good law, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Wow, what a great contrast. This, this what I want to call earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom. And we need to look at both of these. Uh, the original question that starts us off, who is wise and understanding among you, may go back to chapter 3, verse 1, with the whole question about teachers again, that some Bible scholars think that there was strife and argumentation going on, even in this congregation about who was a wise and with a teacher. <laughs> who is the wise and really understands? Well, James is going to show that that kind of thinking uh, produces all kinds of disorder and strife, and he actually is going to pick up on this even in chapter four, when we get into chapter four, because he said, when you have wrong motives, it causes all kinds of problems. When you're thinking only of yourself, all kinds of problems. The wisdom and the understanding that he's talking about here, it, it really, it's simple. It's shown by a person's good life. I want you to think of people that you know and have known through your life. Maybe a family member or someone in the church, a brother or sister, that you looked up to and the fruit of their good life really impacted you. And, and I can think of people, every congregation, even the churches that I grew up in, I can think of people that this describes, that the behavior the deeds, what they said, their good life demonstrated wisdom and understanding, and it really impacted them. Again, notice, as we've already seen, and James is good at this, and so are all the other New Testament writers, that the New Testament focuses on the condition of the human heart. And here he's going to get real specific. Now, you remember last week, we talked about the tongue. <coughs> and how it can go off the rails, and how destructive it 
and you have to be careful. And Jesus would say, remember in the gospel, it's out of the heart, the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So when you hear speech coming out, it's going to betray, if it's going the wrong direction, what's in here, okay? In this section of chapter 3, James is going to talk about another aspect of the heart, and it's fascinating. It's this idea, harboring in your heart ill will toward others. And there's two ways he's going to talk about we're going to look at that. Are we harboring in our heart something against someone, something such that if it gets put into action, it's going to be, there's going to be disorder. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of evil things happen. So again, he's doing a heart check. What are we harboring in our heart? Um, this is such an important question because he wants his readers, and we need to think about it too, what harboring bitter envy looks like. See, deeds done in humility, that's the delight. Deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. It's literally a wonderful phrase, deeds that come out of a gentleness of wisdom. I love this idea. That wisdom has a way, well, we're kind of talking about it in class earlier, well, but just because you know something doesn't mean you have the wisdom to know how to put it into practice. You haven't experienced life enough. And James, remember in chapter one, he's going to talk about the kind of wisdom. If you don't have it in the moment, what are you supposed to do? Pray the Lord to the Lord. He'll give you that wisdom. So this wisdom that we're talking about, this gentleness of wisdom, is sort of the heart out of which good deeds that are done exhibit what a wise and understanding person really is. Okay? Think of what harboring bitter envy looks like and the end result of it. He's going to also say that if you harbor selfish ambition, well, what does that look like? And what is the end result of that? Uh, I can tell you from experience that I've seen in the church over the years, both bitter envy and selfish ambition destroy congregations. Um, I can tell you one time where, uh, for me, and I think Nancy knows this, I told her, years ago I was working with a church, and the church decided that it was going to take what used to be the parsonage next, and they were going to turn it into nice new offices for the church. And when I saw how all those rooms were finished, I was like, oh, man, I need that office over there. And I started feeling within myself sort of this ambition and selfishness kick in. I'm going to do whatever I do to make sure that I get that new office over there. And when I realized how I was thinking, I was shocked at myself. And, and I thought, okay, Lord, we can't keep thinking this way. So what I did was I went to the youth minister and I said, now both of these offices are finished. I want you to choose which one you want. Well, it took me several days of hard prayer to get my heart to that point. <laughs> where I could go up to him and really mean it, okay? And what was funny was, 
He chose the office that he wanted, and the one that I wanted to begin with was the one I got in the end. So it's like the Lord saying, see, if you just leave it to me, don't kick in your selfish ambition and your bitter envy. Don't let that kick in. I'll take care of it. And we all have had to struggle with that in the past, haven't we? Uh, selfish ambition that kicks, uh, shows its face in different ways that um, we often embarrassingly have to admit for ourselves to God, sometimes to others, but also um, the bitter envy that can crop up. And, and envy in the church is it's not a good thing. Uh, when bitter envy comes up, people start talking about each other, especially behind each other's back. A gossip gets, what I was thinking about this was, with selfish ambition and with bitter envy, think of how gossip is kind of the way that this gets going. It's almost the machine that drives all of this. And so James is going to talk about, if we're, if we're going to have the kind of life that is deeds done in a gentleness of wisdom that shows what true wisdom understanding is, uh, we cannot harbor in our heart these two things. And I find it fascinating he's chosen those two things. See, he, well, and we know this. All of us have heart issues that we're struggling with. He could have chosen from a whole host of others. But he, choose, he chooses these two. And my suspicion is it's because that's what was going on in the congregation. They needed to hear this. That, and, and I've often wished at this point, James could have been a little bit more uh, explicit brother or sister so-and-so they've got this bitter envy going on and they better quit <laughs> well he doesn't point names or fingers does he? he just talks about it or selfish ambition is going on i wish so-and-so would quit that because it's a demonstration of putting themselves first and selfish ambition and it's just hurting the whole congregation well again he doesn't point the finger and name a name he's hoping i think that they're going to know when they are actually engaged in doing this thing. So if we're indeed harboring something in our heart, James says two things. First of all, I want you to boast about it. Um, it kind of, when he says this, it kind of reminds me of what went on in 1 Corinthians. But that congregation, a lot of bad things were going on. And people were boasting about it. And so James says, okay, if you're hurting the wrong direction, first of all, I don't want you boasting about it. That's wrong. But then he says something that's fascinating. Also, don't deny the truth. Um, I was thinking about that this week, that our Christian journey and our spiritual maturity, part of that is a recognition that when we go off the rails, God in his spirit helps us recognize that. And number two, we don't deny it. See, what happens to us if we start denying things that are wrong in our heart and our life, act like it doesn't exist. Well, if you leave it unaddressed, it just keeps growing. Um, you've heard the expression, let sleeping dogs lie. Well, you don't do that when there's heart issues. <laughs> well, even see, even think of a physical heart. If you got something wrong with your heart, the heart doctor says, we got to do something. What if a person says, well, you know, that's, Probably cost a little bit too much money, and besides, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, let's just let things go as they, as they are. Well, if you got something wrong with your heart, how long is the heart going to go as it is? 
there's going to be a problem someday. It's going to be payday someday. And so it's the same thing with heart issues with the Lord. What's in our heart? If, if we don't deal with those when we first are aware of it, and if we just deny the truth of it, uh, Satan can have his way with it. That's what can happen. And we have to be very careful uh, about attending to it and being honest about it. Um, a life that harbors these things against others is a way of life. And we talk about the two ways of wisdom. It's a way of life that doesn't come down from us. It's almost like he says, it's coming up from below. And guess what? That's where Satan goes. So it's not wisdom coming from above. It's wisdom coming from below. Um, because we know this. Bitter envy and selfish ambition don't come from God. That doesn't come from God. And James is going to use three words to describe this kind of earthly wisdom. Well, he's going to use, first of all, the word earthly. Um, it kind of carries with it the idea of, of a sensual approach to life that this kind of way of living is however I want to live. If I feel it, I'm going to do it. If I want it, I'm going to pursue it. It's earthly. The other is unspiritual. God's not in the picture. And the person's not aware of what the spiritual ramifications are of this kind of living. And then he adds the word, this is, this is I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to throw it out that you wrestle with it. <laughs> this kind of life he calls demonic. I, I don't think he means demon-possessed, though you might argue that. At, at the very minimum, I think he's saying that this kind of life is demonic because you are allowing yourself to be a tool of Satan's demons to do Satan's work in the world and destroy relationships, tear up the church, and all the negative stuff that comes out of it. It's from the devil, it's not from God. It's almost, he used this word, I think, demonic, like I mentioned earlier. Well, wisdom that is from above, we're going to look at the characteristics. Well, this wisdom that's from below in earth, earth is demonic, straight from Satan, and it destroys. James wants to be clear about what this kind of life produces. If you get caught up in this, and, and I know he is thinking about, first of all, the life of the congregation and the church when he says this. The boy can certainly go beyond that. First is disorder. This kind of life produces disorder, which means instability, a state of disorder, disturbance. Uh, I found two good biblical examples of this. Remember in 1 Corinthians 14.33, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And in that particular section of 1 Corinthians, he'd been dealing with the misuse and the abuse of, of spiritual gifts and how that's been contributing to this total disorder. Well, that's the way the word can be used. Well, when we pursue this kind of earthly wisdom that's basically focused on self, allowing safety to use us, one of the things that can easily produce is disorder. Tears things up, tears people up, it, you know, and, and so it's a, a, a state of chaos. Uh, Proverbs 26, 28, this is a fascinating verse. A lying tongue hates those that it hurts, 
and a flattering mouth works ruin or disorder. Mm -hmm. Remember I said earlier, it seems like when gossip gets going, it's kind of the engine that gets all this stirred up. Well, that's kind of what this proverb is saying. So that with the mouth, a flattering mouth works disorder. That when you don't speak truth, you've got motives behind what you say, it's a lot of problems. Now, disorder, but look at the second one. Every evil practice. That's a, you talk about a broad sweeping expression. Every evil practice goes back to earthly wisdom. Why is that? Here, evil can mean worthless, wicked. It's, it's, a, it's a base, uh, a baseline of living for self and allowing Satan to use you. And it's the kind of life, and the word practice here is the English, where we get our English word pragmatic. And, and I get the impression, too, he's saying, think about how people live a kind of life that they feel like it's just working for them, whatever works. Well, if that's your attitude, think about um, the way in which we use our words. And think about if, if bitter envy and selfish ambition is at work, and it's behind my attitude of, you know, whatever I want, whatever's going to work. There's no, and you can see this real quick, there's no ethical guideline. There's no right or wrong, it's just where it works. Well, unfortunately, William James, the philosopher, back around the turn of the last century, wrote a book called Pragmatism. But when it came out, there were a lot of people who said, yes, this is the way I live. This is great stuff. And there were other people when it first came out, they're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> if, if we're only going to live by this principle of what works, uh, that could be a big problem because that means there's no right or wrong to keep pragmatism on its rails. I mean, it's going to go off the rails real quick. Now, in organizational and leadership theory today, there's been a lot of research on this. What James is talking about, people today call toxicity. <laughs> it's interesting to me that, that groups can experience toxic relationships, uh, a toxic atmosphere, uh, things like that, whenever... Uh, selfish ambition and bitter envy are allowed to, to reign today. The rule for that, that's what happens. But notice, and this is the contrast, wisdom from above. This means God is the source of wisdom. And it begins, first of all, and probably this is the first characteristic that, that may be the foundation of the rest of it. And, and I find this rather fascinating that he'll mention it first. But in our reading, notice, uh, it's the word pure. The first is pure. Uh, one person believes, and there may be onto something here, that it does have the idea of pure to the core, pure inside and out, uncontaminated, undefiled from sin, not mixed with any guilt or anything that can be condemned. But that it also refers to a condition where a person's heart is prepared for worship. Oh. Now, when I was growing up, we prepared for something in my family. One of my jobs was to take all eight pairs of shoes of the, of, for the family, and Saturday evening, I shined all the shoes. Getting ready for Sunday, that was my job. Well, each one of us six children 
had a Saturday evening job to prepare us for worship on Sunday. How many of you had some of you grew up that way, right? You had you had preparation for Sunday. Well, I, I think the thinking behind that was kind of okay, except it all focused on just external stuff. You know, clean uh, clean jeans, a clean outfit, uh, make sure the shoes are shined, you know, uh, can't can't go to church with dirty slacks, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> What this word is, is getting to the condition of the heart that is prepared to stand before God. Oh. So heavenly wisdom means I prepare my heart for worship. I prepare my heart to be with you. Um, there's a fascinating perspective on this by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the German theologian that was killed by Hitler. He has a little book called Life Together. And it's so wonderful because it talks about congregational life. And, and of course, as, as he knows, he recognizes this. There are two different kinds of personalities. Some of you are introverts. How many of you are introverts? Feel like you're an introvert. Well, <laughs> introverts won't even raise their hand up. So <laughs> now, and if I ask, okay, how many of you are extroverts? Extroverts go, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Bonhoeffer recognized this, and he said something really profound that, that I've, I've thought about through the years. If you're a person who likes to be alone, you need to be alone with God to prepare you to be with others. That's where your challenge is. If you're an extrovert, you need to be alone with God to prepare you to be with others. <laughs> okay? Because think of the difference. For the extrovert, they might say something without thinking about it. You know, they're just being themselves, and it might have some devastating impact on somebody where you think about it. For the introvert, they may not even want to share anything. And so it really doesn't help a whole lot with fellowship if a person's just a, a you know a tree stuff. So this idea of our hearts, this wisdom being pure, and even to the point that is preparing us for worship, to be with God and his people, I really like that. I really like that. Now, the other characteristics, quickly, uh, peaceable or disposed toward peace. It's amazing how many verses in the New Testament deal with peace. In a minute, we're going to look at how James is going to say we need to be involved in that. Uh, the person's spirit is gentle. This wisdom is also reasonable. It's full of mercy and good fruits. Uh, notice he, he doesn't See, you would think, James, that he's talking about true religion and practical religion. This may have been a really good place to start listening. Okay, James, tell me about all the good fruits. Uh, tell me about the good works I need to do. Well, he's leading that up to each one of us so that I'm constantly asking the question, if I'm living from the perspective of heavenly wisdom, what are the good works and what are the fruits that I need to be bearing. And, and notice that comes from my heart. So everything I do comes from my heart. And, and then um, he says it's without partiality. That means a wholeheartedness toward what's right and sincere. And the word sincere is really a negative word itself. In the New Testament, the word sincere literally is not hypocritical. And, and we get it always translated in English, sincere. But that's exactly what it is. There is the integration between what we say, what we think, what we do. All that comes together so that we're not hypocritical, we're sincere. 
And think about how each characteristic is pragmatically or practically exhibited in the Christian life. When we want to talk about a practical Christian life, how does each one of these work for me when I'm trying to live the life of wisdom? Each one demonstrates attitude, behavior, and actions toward others. We would even say that it's the embodiment of the second commandment. I need to walk around as an example of the fulfillment of the second commandment. So the concluding verse in this whole paragraph is interesting. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And remember he said earlier that it's peaceable, disposed toward peace or love peace. He took it one step further here. It's not just that I like peace. All of us like peace. Okay? No, it's those who take the initiative to participate in and help bring about peace. And in the New Testament, the idea of peace is tightly woven with reconciliation. Do I need to be part of a process of bringing people together or even bringing someone to be reconciled with God? That is being a peacemaker. The seed sown in peace. And the reason I can do that is I sow the seed I live my life, the fruit, the good words. I don't care where it goes. God gets the honor. God's going to get the increase. I just keep sowing. <laughs> you know, I call it sowing seeds for eternity. You sow the seed. You care what? It doesn't matter what I get. How many of you have ever felt like you really put yourself out and you accomplished something, but you didn't get the recognition you wanted? Everybody, anybody ever been there? Nobody does. Oh, well, for the Christian life, we're not about that. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but it's not about that. It's not about getting noticed. It's being faithful, sowing the seeds of peace, letting God do the work, and you just keep on going. It, honestly, it, it's the best way of life that's out there. That's why I think James can call it a life of wisdom. It's from above. It's the peace that we actively pursue, not just long for. The life of wisdom from above is able to make peace with others, bringing order and goodness to lives that are, and listen to this, lives that are messy with earthly, unspiritual, demonic forces defining who they are. So when we live this life, wisdom from above, it's not just for ourselves, it's for others. Someone gave a definition once about spiritual growth. It's being made in the image of Christ to the glory of God. And I think this is where the second commandment comes in where the person is thinking about it. To the glory of God for the sake of others. I am living this life of wisdom, not just for me. I'm living it for the sake of others. And when you see that that's your life mission, Guess what? Every day you wake up is really an exciting day because you don't have a clue what opportunities are going to open up for you to have and to exhibit this life from above, this wisdom from above, so that it can you can be the one God's using for there to be peace, uh, for there to be righteousness, for there to be good works, and just you can be a light in the dark world. I can go on and on. I love this passage of James. It, it's one of my favorites. Well, there's several favorites. One of my favorites is James. Are we living 
a life of wisdom from above? What a great question. 